0: Steve Mathis production.
1: Check it out, Pulp MX fans. We're proud to announce iPhone users can now get the official Pulp MX app from the App Store and have archives, show drops and technical info, stories, and even exclusive bonus Pulpcast not available anywhere else. As always, use the Mathis code at btosports.com. And when buying from Amazon, click the banner on pulpmx.com to show your support.
2: episode of the steve mathis show there is a high chance ability you will either learn something a lot of people don't know you left thinking uh,
0: or make you say to yourself
2: dude that's so funny the bottom line
0: is this podcast serves as archival
2: documentation
0: of this interview
1: welcome to the racer x podcast show brought to you by
0: BTO btosports.com hosted by steve mathis
2: Welcome to the Racer X podcast show, presented by BTOsports.com. Very busy uh, podcasting time for me right now. I had uh, got Davy Coombs, I got Zach Osborne, and with me to wrap up the uh, the trio of podcasts from the across the nations is none other than uh, my fa- my favorite Kiwi. Well, I got another a good buddy who's a Kiwi, but let's call you my favorite Kiwi, Josh Coppins. What's up?
1: Uh not much, man. Just. Um healing up carrying a bit of an injury at the moment and yeah. uh, obviously went to the nation, like yourself so uh, so yeah just uh, getting ready for a new season
2: yeah really uh let's let's uh, touch on that a little bit you uh, pe- for people who don't know um josh isn't racing the gps anymore he went uh, back to new zealand and raced the australian series and uh suffered an injury at the last was it the last round yeah
1: last yeah. uh last Second to last moto in the last round.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, and it was a kind of a gnarly injury, like you were telling me about it there at uh, in France. It was scary. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it was pretty tough. I dislocated my shoulder, which is fairly simple. But right. um, I damaged, I basically broke the ball joints. So I um, ended up having to have a bone graft. And uh, it's quite a tricky surgery because if they make the the joint too loose you can have uh, obviously further defecations but if they make it too tight you can have inflammation and trouble uh, at a later date so uh, you need to get it right so it's uh, so it's good and, and stable for, for for not only racing but of course um,
2: after racing right right and now is this something that uh was injured over time and you did it in, in the crash i mean i imagine or was this all from that one crash
1: all from the one crash, I was 100% healthy and um, a rider went down in front of me in the first corner and uh, I was about third, he was second and he lost his front end and sort of slid underneath me and I was, it was a fast first corner, sort of third gear pinned and I just went straight over his bike and it sort of cartwheeled me and I went really high and then just came down on the shoulder so hard it, yeah. it basically, yeah, just broke it. So uh, it was I was healthy before then and... Uh, so it's sort of recovery time now
2: uh and with your injury i I saw on your Twitter that uh you flew to Belgium was just you just felt more comfortable with the doctor there is that is that the deal
1: well um I was like that was the last race of australia mm-hmm. so um I, I, I was coming to Europe anyway and um I was coming to Europe for a couple of weddings of um, friends and uh also I was planning to do some racing here because I plan to do again next year in Australia and I strongly believe you're only as good as your competition so I lined up I didn't want to do GPs but I lined up a bunch of international races Oh, okay. Uh, and I was you know, co and whatnot, not at those races to sale and, and I wanted to get and race with those guys and, mm-hmm. and try to lift my game a little bit for next year and also um, it's a good income and I've still got a good following in Europe and a lot of fans so it was kind of a Almost A bit of a holiday, but also I was planning to ride for some different Yamaha teams. I had some testing lined up with Rinaldi, and I was going to get a bike from Dixon. So it was uh, it was kind of to learn about the Yamaha and different teams and different products, but also earn some money, also see friends. And uh, I had a couple of, like, three rounds of the Brazilian championship as well for Yamaha. So mm-hmm. I was planning to go down there and do that for them. So.
2: Oh, okay, so...
1: Uh-huh. It all sort of went pear shaped at that last race, and then, and then with getting the injury, I lost the championship. I, uh, the Australian series is a different format. We have four motos, yeah. but you have two motos back to back with a five-minute gap in between them, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and and then you have a break, and then the, the final two motos. And yeah. I went into the final two motos with a 19-point lead, and I'd gone one-two in the first race, two races, so I kind of I had one hand on the trophy. So when I picked up that injury, I also lost that championship. And uh, and then uh, you missed all these races. So it's been a bit of a bummer, but that's the yeah. way it goes.
2: Yeah, that's the way. You're right. It's tough. And your teammate is uh, Jay Marmon, who won the title last year. Um, yeah,
1: and uh, he, won, he, won it, he won it again. And um, and I finished second. So right. for the team, it wasn't so bad. We went 1-2, but mm-hmm. it was a bit disappointing for me because obviously uh felt like I was about, about to take the title, so they had one hand on it and lost it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. that happened to me before, so I uh, oh, you know how to deal with
2: it. I, I was gonna say I was gonna make a joke, but then I thought <laughs> I better not. I better not because
1: the the it's lizard. a different level this time, but anyway, <laughs> it's uh, it's still disappointing because uh, I felt like uh, I would deserved it. But that's that's as you know, Steve. You know, you have good days and bad days in motocross, and, course, and yeah. uh, that's the way it goes.
2: Um, so, uh, what do you think about uh, how long did you do the GPS for? How many years? Uh, 15 years. 15 years, and you're back home in Australia. Um, is it all right? Are you okay with it? Everything's good? Like, you weren't like bitter or mad or, or nothing? I mean, it was good to race back home in Australia. Well, oh, you're from New Zealand, I'm basically. Yeah. I'm I've
1: yep. never been happier. Uh, I wish I'd gone back earlier. Oh, really? Uh, really, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I, I tried to go back a year earlier and uh, I finished my contract with um with, Rinaldi, with Factory Yamaha yep. and um, I wanted to go down to Australia but the Yamaha team was full both riders were under two year contracts and uh, other teams the, nothing sort of eventuated so the Aprilia thing came up and I did like a year development testing for them and it was a good money thing but I wish I had been able to get down to Australia yeah. and uh, continue on with Yamaha but didn't work out, and, you know. And But um, I'm really happy to be back living at home after so long, racing racing in Australia. The championship is very, very professional. Craig Dack, who runs mm-hmm. the CDR team, who was earlier the, the team manager for Yamaha Troy. Yep. Um, he's been great to work with, and the team itself has been unreal. So I kind of, when I went back, I, I expected it to be, Going back to sort of amateur racing, right, amateur, I, you know that's yeah. sort of what I prepared myself for, and I've been pleasantly surprised with how good and professional the teams are, and the championship, and um, even all the affiliating sponsors. Um, it's been a dream, you know. It's really been, it's been financially, it's been better than I expected. The racing has been better than I expected. The support from the team and everything has been a lot better than I oh. expected, and um, and to be able to do it from home has been
2: awesome. Yes, Yeah, see, I, I honestly kind of expected the exact opposite answer.
1: <laughs> but that's good. Yeah, yeah good, right. good for you. No, I'm, I'm really, really happy. And also, with the way the GPs are at the moment, it's pretty tough out here. And I, I, just, I just wish, like I said, I wish I'd gone back and done it even earlier.
2: Right, right. Well, you can't turn that Aprilia money down.
1: <laughs> no, that's true That's true and, um, and you know It's all part of learning you know, I learned a lot Working for them And it wasn't all bad So uh, I hope they got A lot from me
2: um, You know I, I, I run some photo reports On my website Pulpomex uh, From the Australian Nationals I have a few guys That submit them Looks like mm-hmm. Everybody's got Some pretty good sponsors Outside industry sponsors And like the pits Look professional And you know It really yeah. looks Looks pretty good to me
1: Definitely um, Basically Australia Sell a lot of bikes it's mm-hmm. the biggest Biggest, yeah, for Yamaha, the biggest sales outside of America is Australia. For Fox, Fox outside of America, the biggest sales is Australia. Really? Huh. So, huh. so the, the the country in a whole is is not in a recession as like Europe or America. They're doing pretty well, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, things are tough, but not not quite as bad as um other, you know America at the moment. So. That helps, um, and it's and it's It's a little bit like California. You know, it's cool to have a dirt bike. It's, it's cool to, you, you've got on your dirt bike, you've got to have all the sticky kits. You've got to have mm-hmm. all, you know, you've got to look the part, and um, people are out buying bikes, riding, racing, and, um, of course, that, that all helps uh, our sponsor drivers.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, Australia, for me, on, on for these podcasts, for my website, Pulp MX, is huge. Sydney, yeah. Sydney and Melbourne yeah. are, like, big, Statistic cities that, that visit my site and listen to these shows, so it tells me right. that there's a lot of moto fans down under.
1: Yeah, and and it's it's everything, man. It's like enduro, it's free, freestyle's huge, and um, enduro, the enduros huge on off road, and, and, and of course supercross and motocross. Right. And if you think about it, even in America, you know we've got so many good Australian riders racing mm-hmm. motocross, supercross, and uh, GNCC. So, and, and and, of course, even road racing, so that big big motorcycle enthusiast, which makes a difference as well uh,
2: now you're you're based in New Zealand back home in your home country and you fly to australia
1: yeah yeah it 's about a three hour flight to two hours forty so it's uh, yep. it 's nothing really and um, just fly over on friday and back on monday i 've got my practice bikes at home mm-hmm. and I run everything from home and I go over there for a wee bit of testing and Yamaha Australia and Yamaha, New Zealand are pretty much the same, so uh, they run under the same umbrella so I do some events in New Zealand for them as well, and um, and also just try and be involved with the brand. And so it's a little bit, little bit of a rider and slash, you know, representative for the brand also.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh, that sounds cool, man. I'm glad you like it. Let me uh, let me ask you this: um, Who's the next Australian rider that you could see doing some damage in America? Do um, you have somebody? Is there somebody that you catches your eye?
1: Um, not at no, no. Sorry, to answer that <laughs> so bluntly, but I don't see that at the moment. But I, I don't, um, I don't get to, an I don't, I don't look enough because I'm racing. Yeah, you're, I don't, yeah, you're sort it, of, I'm right. not looking so much, but no one has stood out to me just yet. There's there's, there's a couple of kids that look good, but it's still too early mm-hmm. um, to to know. You know they kind of, you know what it's like. That transition period's pretty tough, yeah. and um, there are a couple of kids that, that look good, and there's a lot. The, pro- the little bit of problem with Australia being such a good series at the moment is the riders, some of them don't want to leave yeah. because it's you know America's tough, the industry's tough, Europe's tough, so um, yeah. Yeah. you know it makes it makes it a little bit tricky for some of them to leave. So I, you know there are a lot of good riders, but one standout one yeah. I don't see at the moment.
2: Uh, kind of like Canada, you know the guys in Canada make thirty, forty grand. Some of the top guys, and, and I mean yeah. that's not that much money, but. They're looking at a drop, a, a, an income drop of hundred percent if they were to travel down south, you know, and they'd be yeah. living, living in a box van eating ravioli out of a hubcap. So,
1: exactly. So Australia is a bit better than that financially, but right. also yeah. it's a bigger move. You know, they can, you know, from Canada it's a little bit yeah. closer. They travel down, they can bring like a box van or whatever. They can, whereas from America, it's a, from Australia, it's a lot mm-hmm. trickier and and whatnot. And Canada is actually a series. I looked at doing, like when I decided I was going to, wanted to go home, yep. I thought about Canada, but it was going to be so much harder because it meant that I had to live there, I had to yeah. move my, fam- my family there, I had to set up there, and it was, obviously the, the money wasn't there yeah. had to justify doing that and racing there, so I decided Australia would be um, a bit more logical and it meant I could live at home, and I'd been away for long enough, so. Still, uh,
2: still would have been cool to see you do a U.S. Uh, national summer you know
1: yeah yeah you know um it would have been good I, and I, I actually considered it after australia because obviously i was flying through california to come back mm-hmm. to um to europe and i actually thought about it but and i even had it in the back of my mind but first of all i really wanted to focus on winning the australian series because um, obviously that's what i was paid to do and i didn't really want to bring it up with the mr australia anyway, and then i got hurt so it sort of but I had, in the back of my mind, I had an idea to maybe do one of the last few nationals this year, but it didn't work
2: out, so that's the way it goes. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, give me your opinion on the uh, YZ450. You know, down uh, over here, um, everybody just runs screaming away from it. I, it's, I, I, in my honest opinion, I'm not sure about the bike. I don't think it's that good of a bike uh, if you don't know, if you don't have 100% testing staff behind it. But on the other hand, I believe the perception is worse than reality here in America, you know, but what uh, what do you, you think? What you said? Yeah, what do you th- agree? Yeah. I mean, um, you've ridden everything. It's, you've it's, even ridden a bike with with, with two, you know, Perlia, with two cylinders. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um honestly, it was hard for me to get my head around the Yamaha at first. Um I did things a little bit differently and and we I made a few mistakes this year. Mm-hmm. We I was given the race bike from CDR Yamaha. They gave me straight away the race bike and I was struggling for grip. And uh, I kept saying to them, you know, we're struggling with grip, struggling with grip, but I didn't know what it was because right. when you start with a production bike and you add all the parts, you know what what each part does and you know which direction you're going. But when you're given a race bike, you're working backwards because I couldn't yeah. say to them... Yeah. I couldn't say to them it was the engine, it was the cams, it was the piston or, or, you know, with too much compression or mm-hmm. I couldn't say it was the tyres or the suspension or the link or the balance because there were so many things and um, we, we had quite a few troubles at first and I had trouble sorting it all out, um, definitely the bike has a lot of power, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that and um, that, that's definitely a strong point. And uh, the front end is a little bit tricky and it, it seems like um, getting the balance right to get the grip on the front is, is quite... You, like you say, you need a good team of people around you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it is a little bit tricky. But there's a lot of... Yamaha working on some good things for next year, little mm-hmm. things which make a big difference. I've done some testing already uh, with things like even just... Stiffer engine mounts, and mm-hmm. uh, which, which is stiffing up, stiffening up the chassis, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things. Uh, I think they're really starting to iron out some of the issues, but uh, like you say, a few people are a little
0: bit gun shy
2: already. Yeah, you know, Red Dog's been testing for, uh, for Stewart's team. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's done now, but uh, uh, he said every time you add power to it, if you, if you add power to it and, 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 and torque, it gets sketchier and sketchier. Is that something you found out?
1: 100%. I've been taking power away, adding flywheels, getting softer cams, yeah, lengthening, yeah. lengthening the gearing, uh, getting more grip on the rear, more grip on the front. And right. as soon as I do that, it's been getting better and better and better.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird, and everybody's been tucking their front end super tight, you know what I mean? And it's been working yep. out. Like, So what does it do good? What do you like about it?
1: Uh, the thing I like about the bike is the power, once you get it sorted out, is Right on the throttle, like yep. right on the like instant. You know, it's yep. always it's always there, and it's quite good on tight and technical tracks when you really want to play the throttle. Um, but then again, there's a there's a lot of power also when you're really aggressive on it. So that that's definitely definitely a strong point. Yep. Um, and and down to it's the engine is quite simple to, to improve, and, and little changes make a big difference. Right. So. So, so, it's quite easy to get to a track and make a few changes, and, and, and you've got you know straight away a good engine package. Uh, the hardest part is, the, like I said, the balance and getting the, the traction on the front. And to go back to what, what Red Dog's saying, he's 100% right. The more power we took away from it, the better starts we were getting.
2: Yeah, well, wow. you don't got to tell it's me. Because
1: we were getting more traction.
2: You don't got to tell um, me, Timmy's 100% right.
1: The, the power was so qu- quick. Right. So it, the stock bike's so fast. And then you add power to it, and then you, sh- you can't get enough traction to, yep. to justify that power. Yep. So, um, And it's so easy to add power to the bike, so that's sort of where a lot of people got lost.
2: Um, uh, in your opinion, and you know, you're an honest guy, you actually you have trouble not being honest, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, how was that, Aprilia? How was that thing? I mean, you and I talked many times uh, at the GPs or, or wherever I saw you. Uh, yep. Is it that bad? Was it that bad? I mean, obviously you had a lot of DNFs, yeah. but bike itself, it,
1: it depended on the track. Some tracks it was very bad. Some tracks it was was quite okay. It really depended on the track. It Did was it? a fussy bike. It wasn't like a Japanese bike when mm-hmm. you you were pretty much in the ballpark wherever you went. you yeah, were a few clicks out or a little bit of jetting out, or right. you know you weren't oh, one tooth on the sprocket out. With that bike, some tracks you went to, you were going to battle all weekend and never get it never get it right. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was that was just just what you had to deal with. But sometimes it wasn't too bad, and um, the problem I had a little bit also was the w- within the factory, they were all road racing mentality, so it was all data controlling, and there was so much, yeah, yeah. so much information. <laughs> right? It, it was it was hard. When we simplified it and went back to base, when I convinced them that motocross is different, <laughs> and we went back to sort yeah. of basic uh, mentality, mm-hmm. uh, we got the bike pretty good. So we went from having sort of five DNFs in the first half of the season to being in the top 10 every race for the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. So um, that that was a big difference, you know, running sixth and seventh was, was quite an achievement from where it had come and, uh, you know, I was, at the end of it I was pretty proud, you know, I had three teammates and I scored more points in one moto than all three of them scored combined in the year. So <laughs> I kind of... I was quite happy with what I achieved and uh, I think now they're really struggling again now and I think they are yeah. pretty happy with what I did for them. So we left there I left there quite proud with what I achieved right. even though it wasn't didn't look that good on paper and I think they appreciated it as well so that was good.
2: Yeah, they were like looking at the dyno charts or the laptop of the curve and being like this is the perfect curve or this is the perfect power and you're like, Yeah, great on paper but tell you what, when yeah, yeah when I'm coming out of the bumps and the ruts, uh doesn't work.
1: Yeah. Exactly, but it wasn't only that. We had issues. We had, we had ample power, but then we had issues with, with clutches, with um, gearboxes. Mm-hmm. The actual engine, like the strength, the quality build of the engine, I never broke one engine ever. Really?
0: The really? engine
1: was really, really strong. Um, it was always electrical. You know, I had a, the, the main wiring loom was €3,000 per piece, and that was because <laughs> it had all the... Data logging on it.
0: Right. But it came
1: from a road route, road race, and uh, I I kept cracking wires and then having electrical problems because they weren't made for jumps. Yeah. They were made for road racing. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And so with all the flexing of the frame and the jarring, I kept having electrical problems, and they you know, just stuff like that. Stuff, you know, stuff you just don't expect. <laughs> After riding a Japanese bike yeah. for 15 years and a factory bike for, Japanese bike for 10 years, it was just little things like that, but. Once they started to listen to my actual mechanic and the chief mechanic that were from a motocross background, Mm -hmm. we really started to make strides. And uh, the problem was that the the strides we made were too late.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And the bike was already old. You know, base came with fuel injection in 2003. Well, the Japanese had come and mastered it, and they were moving on on onto much bigger things before Aprilia got it sorted out. So it just
2: took too long. Um, all right, let's uh, switch gears to the dis Nations. I know, besides being uh, a world class racer, you're also a world class fan, and uh, you know you, you you really do follow the races, and you you uh, you're into it, and uh, it's one of the reasons yeah. why I like you. But uh, so you're yeah. you're in France, and um, I gotta say, man, uh, I think I've been to five or six of these things in a row. Dis Nations, this was the worst feeling I had that the U.S. was not going to pull it out. I really didn't think they were
1: yeah me too um, I have to agree with that uh, on Saturday things look great mm-hmm. for you but um, yeah. as, as you know and uh, with many motocross nations when you can start to combine the classes and you've got to put one of you guys out wide on the start and yeah. uh, and it's, and I also thought when the rain came that was going to much more suit, America, uh, suit Europe because right. the track is so slippery and technical and it's not you have to really respect it it's a lot of the US tracks you can be a bit more aggressive Yeah. and um, and I, I thought it would suit the European guys a bit more also. but uh, France looked really good uh, I knew Paul Arm was going to get tired for the second race but I, I thought Paul Sell would come out swinging because he was pretty disappointing in the first race and mm-hmm. I knew with Mitch being there and you know what he's like he wanted to prove a bunch of stuff and yeah. um, he came out firing and for him to pass Dunju like he did I, you know, no one no one really passed the two lines all weekend except for Roxon, but that was sort of a racing incident, but really with outright speed was Porcel right. in that last moto, and he, he looked good and then he ran into trouble and then things went your way.
2: Yeah, and it and it seems to you know, I remember in England, uh, Bossier, you were racing that one, but Bossier, uh they had it again, but Bossier's got a flat well, on a two bus tire or something. Um Yeah. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that for that third moto, track was dry, sun was out, and, you know, it was kind of over from there. Um, what, what about that track? I thought it was terrible. I had Zach Osborne over at my house yesterday. He's in Vegas mm-hmm. here. And uh, mm-hmm. he loves it. He's done good there. But then he totally agreed with me that it's really rocky, really one-lined, and too short. But yet he still loves it. Um, I didn't think that track was, was very good at all. What are your thoughts on What do you think?
1: I've always done well there also but I 100% agree with you it's an old old track the dirt is gone right it's down to so, it's so rocky it's um you know they they try their best to make some different lines and things and I think the actual that rain actually helped because it kind of made a few different lines but um mm-hmm. it's, it's just an old track you know it's sort of right. I, I don't know how old it is but it's been around forever and um it's just worn out right and uh it's kind of what we've got used to in Europe and I can understand why you guys turn up, uh, you guys being the Americans, turn up yeah. and think, man, this thing's just done. It's, it's had it. Yeah. Um, because you guys, your tracks are so, so good. But it's sort of what we're used to now. Yeah. And, um, but the track, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not, it's just it's not that good. But there's not many clubs, if you look at the size of the event, there's not many clubs that are capable in Europe to really host that event. Right. That event. Um, you know, as in spectators, as in you know, visibility of the track for the spectators and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, on, the, on that terms, it's, it's quite good in the crowd and everything's good, but, yeah, I 100% agree the
0: track's pretty, pretty
2: worn out. Yeah, um, Rattray was telling me that when he raced there, um, and, you know, you raced there probably a bunch too, the dirt, it was much better. Rattray was like, he hadn't been there since, uh, I don't know, probably 2000, you know, on a 125 yeah. KTM. And and he said, oh, it's all gone. Dirt's gone." He said, "It used to be good." Yeah. He used to um,
1: the last time he was there was about oh five, but uh, oh, was it? Okay. It, yeah, but we started racing there uh, around two thousand, and um, you know, obviously they'd been there before, but we we weren't really there in the nineties so much. We started we started going back there more in early
0: right.
1: early millennium, and um, it was pretty worn out the track. And then the club spent a ton of money about two thousand five and bought an all new dirt. And okay. all new topsoil laid it all out, but that's gone again. You know, just yeah, yeah. With the rain and the winter and whatnot. It just washes it away. Right, <clears throat> and that's gone. And um, now we're back to just the stones. And uh, if you if you go there, like you, when it's rained, the, the stones sort of stay in the dirt a little bit more. Yeah. You go there when it's really dry and hot. It's, it's just stones everywhere on the top of the surface. So, yeah. um I just yeah, think it's, it's pretty worn out, that's for sure.
2: I just think as a motocross the nation's a minute 35 track and sort of one line, like right from the those doubles up on top until like the fourth, third or fourth turn after the finish, you're not passing anybody, you know? Um, yeah. uh, and I You just, know what's scary? What? That
1: track actually had more passing lines than most of the GP tracks this year.
0: Ah, really?
1: Yeah. And on top of that, Uh, on top of that well you know why the tracks are that short because the the longer the track the more TV cameras they use and it's on average it's 5,000 euros a weekend for an extra camera so if you save if you save two cameras that's 10,000 euros a weekend and 15 weekends you know you're saving 150,000 euros for the year so that's why the track's shorter ah
2: You're always smart like this you you know they'll
1: tell you that it's because they want to keep the racing close so everyone can see it they want to keep it more tight and so it's a, it's a little bit better racing, mm-hmm. but the,
2: the truth is what I just <laughs> did. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. It's that time. Time for a commercial. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for 309 45% off or Smith Piston Goggles for 32 65% off. Your order can be shipped anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. Hey, does it cost money to enter a team to these nations? Does it cost a country money?
1: Uh, I think it does. Yeah. Yes, I think it does. I think there's, a, I think there's an entry fee, but I think there's also prize money for the nations. There is. That goes back. That goes back to the federation. there was until a year or two ago in anyway, election. Oh,
2: okay. Sure. Right. I was going to make my point about how I can't believe that nobody gets paid. Everybody spends money out of their pocket. But to me, someone's making a lot of money. Those motocross the nations, the club, Ustream, somebody. You know, it's always it's not the club.
1: It's not the club. They have to <laughs> well, pay a lot for a whole host of the nations. I think it costs double what a normal GP costs.
0: Oh, does it? So
1: yeah. uh, it's pretty expensive for a club, and that's why only the bigger clubs can go because mm-hmm. they need the crowd or they need need government support to run it. To, so, to for example, it. next year in Lomel, uh, they've got government support. So, um, yeah. Well, well, region support, uh, government money, in the end of you know in the big
2: scheme of things it's government money yeah yeah and and exactly like some of, few of the gp tracks are just strictly run by governments right by the government and...
1: yeah yeah a few of them and that's why we're they're starting to head a little bit more east so you've got places like bulgaria that's government you know government yeah. funded the president goes to the rest so Lat- um latvia it's sort of uh, yeah. you know and, and that's that's worked in some cases but in other cases it hasn't like turkey didn't work out mm-hmm. and um but, but sometimes they're, they're starting to get a few tracks, which have got long-term contracts on them now, like mm-hmm. Portugal, Torchentil and Germany. They've um, yeah, been going to Spain up until this year. They had a long contract with. So, um, and, and often that's, they try to get support from the, from the uh, region mm-hmm. on government money. Uh,
2: back to the race. Uh, Ken Roxon. Uh, he's a special talent, huh? He he's, is uh, quite a rider.
1: Yeah, very, very, very good, and um, just showed again, like, his speed is great, his line choice is great, he thinks ahead, and he's a good kid, and he, he's smart, and I think he'll do very well in, uh, in America, well, I think he will, you know, we've already seen him, he's already won a, yeah. kind, of, kind of won a Supercross, and, uh, yeah. well, he has won, yeah, but, um, Vegas. Yeah. yeah, he's going to do, do great, and a good asset for KTM. Uh, yeah,
2: what, what is it about the, the KTMs in Europe? Um you know, it was kind of funny. I was talking to Osborne about this. Musquins' first podium was Steel City, and they finally got a chance to ask him about the differences between the AMA and, and the GP. Somebody did. I don't know who it was. Probably that idiot. Why yeah. um uh But uh, Musquins like, well I, well, I learned that in the GPs, if you have a KTM, you hole shot. And yeah. over here, there's tons of good bikes, and everybody's a good rider. So he kind of yeah. like kind of like dropped a little bomb like how much better the ktms are in europe so so what is it that's not a bomb that's the truth yeah what's so what's what's the what's the deal what is it
1: um, well, basically, in, in, in Europe, we don't have too many, uh, you know, there's no Mitch, there's no code there's no, uh, no teams like that in MX2. In MX1, you have, like, Martin Honda doing great and, and Rinaldi and Suzuki, and they've all got factory support and doing well. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough budget to go around for them to also run an MX2 team. And as you know, uh, and as Mitch knows, It costs a lot of money to make a good MX2 bike. And uh, there's not not the teams, a lot of the MX2 teams are sort of factory-supported teams, but that's that's it, some bikes and some parts and a little bit of money. And uh, only really, uh, like Zach's team, Dixon and whatnot, are Mm -hmm. trying to raise the bar to KTM. But KTM have a lot more budget, a lot more resources, and they're working, you know, they are a factory. Right. And they are a lot better, and you see it in America, where um, you know you've got a lot of great Japanese bikes that are very, very fast. And we don't, we don't have that here yet. You have the CLS team, which is running Mitch's yep. bikes, but and I think they'll come better when the fuel changes for next year. Looks like we're going to be running the same fuel as the US next year.
2: Yeah, I heard that. Yep.
1: So, um, and I think those bikes will make a good step because then they will be, they can be exactly the same as Mitch's bikes
2: mm-hmm. because well. of the fuel. Be interesting to see, because uh, even when I went to Lomo, you know, Searle Roadwell and uh Anstey Roadwell, better sand rider than I thought. Anstey, um, he's pretty good. Well, you
1: know, you know, Anstey, when he was a, a kid on 80s, which wasn't that long ago, we're talking three, four years ago, he yeah. used to smoke rocks and then smoke curlings. The oh, forest. really?
0: Yeah, yeah, he,
1: he grew up in Holland basically, even though he was from England, he grew up there and raced there so. You know, he went to, he took the American route, had a lot of injuries, and those other two didn't, and they've come on, and he's sort of playing catch-up now, yeah. so that's why he's so good in the sand. But in the sand in Lommel, it really stands out, oh. how much better the KDNs well, are.
2: that's what I was going to say. Those guys were riding good, but they they didn't have anything on these bikes, coming out of turns, coming down the start straight, they didn't have anything, you know? It's um, a couple of seconds a lap. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That's, that's how much better they are, sort of a couple of seconds a lap. And that gets back, and I've heard you talk about it, and I know people ring in about it, and that gets back to the whole 350 thing with, with, with Roxanne. Right. Um, I honestly, I'm not a KTM fan at all, but I str- honestly believe that uh, Tony's bike is a 350. Right. And uh, the reason I believe that is it's, it's different in Europe, and it's, those 250s are so good. I've raced internationals on my factory Yamaha, Mm-hmm. And we've started alongside Rory Concalves and Tyler Atre, which were F- factory KTM 250 guys then. Right. And they have beaten me to the first corner on, on heavy-going starts on their 250s. So with with 100 more cc's, I honestly believe that Tony's bike can be good. Um, I don't think that 350 is going to work in America because you have much more glomier tracks. The starts are ripped so much deeper. The tracks, you need power. When you go to a track like Motocross the Nations last year in Colorado, your 450s are so fast. They're fire breathing 450s. They are grunty. And uh, in Europe, we don't need that power. If you look at the track last last Sunday at the Motocross the Nations, you you need torque, you need grip. If you've got power, you can't put it to the ground because it's rocks and rock hard and one corner is mud, the next corner is sand, the next corner is rock hard and slick and blue grooved. And uh, it's a little bit more about traction and rideability than it is about raw power.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't, you know, you listen to the bike, you listen to Caroli's bike, you watch
1: it. I agree, it sounds different. I, oh, think I agree, it yeah. sounds different. And there's no doubt his 350 is better than the other 350s and is. Probably different than the other 350s, but I, I still think it. And I, I honestly think it still can be a 350.
2: Really, huh? Okay, all right, yeah. I'm, I, do. I'm always... I
1: don't think it's going to work in America.
2: Yeah, well, from what I know, uh, Short's going back there, and it's, he ain't riding a 350. Um, he's, no. he's, he's not happy. Um, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to look at him and Mike's results. Indoors and out, and see that they got worse on that bike. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just you know, I, then Caroli's got even Coroli's even even better rider than I gave him credit for.
1: Yeah, he's good. He's really good. But you know, if you look if you go to what if you look back on some of the supercrosses earlier in the early in the year, Alessia uh, was getting some good starts on that 350 when when there was good grip.
2: Yes, absolutely. When, when uh, I can think the Phoenix Phoenix was really well. Phoenix was. Uh, had a little dust on top. And it was pretty hard pack, and yeah. I, he didn't. They didn't spin. Him and Shorty didn't spin yeah. coming out of the gate.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know, and it's in, in, in Europe. You know, you look at the start of the weekend. That wasn't deep at all. It was pretty much stone. Right. Right. So and that's often a lot of the case. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have lomi lomi tracks. And then if you go to a track like Lomel, uh, you know, Tony's still able to get a good start because our tracks. Quali- you know, qualifying is so important, and if you qualify good, you get a good, you know, an inside gate. Yep. 40 gates aren't fair. A lot of the tracks in the states, you know, you have pretty much 20 or 20 odd good gates. Yeah. And no. in Europe, a lot of the tracks, you have two or three good gates.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I then, I agree. Yeah.
1: So you know, you're being to torch until if you're not in the top, you know, you can pretty much click a gear once the gate's dropped and take off from gate 1 and you're guaranteed to top 3 start.
2: Yeah, same as Bud's Creek now. You know, the Bud's Creek changed your start for that yeah. Nations. And why did they change? Cuz they
1: had the they had the, yeah. uh, motor the Nations.
2: Yeah, if the track is running if the track is running counterclockwise uh, and if you're you're done, if you're outside of gate 10, you're just done. Yeah. Um you no count. Uh, and I don't uh, I don't like that. And I've written it many times. Um, I don't like yeah. that uh, rule. I think it's silly. Uh, back to Des uh Rat yeah. Trey, Searle. Both uh, 450s jumping up. Rattray really wants to ride a 450 outdoors here next year. And uh, mm-hmm. and he signed, re signed with Pro Circuit, but they're putting the heat on Mitch. And I know he had something to prove. And I imagine Searle, um, you know, wanted to do well as two. Both of those guys, uh, they impressed me. Searle hung, hung, yeah. charged hard one moto. Um,
1: yeah, they were kind of like the quiet achievers because yeah. a lot of people didn't write about them or, you know, but they were both good. Uh, for me, Searle, especially second moto, Tyler was solid both. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Searle's second moto was very impressive. And, um, you know, it kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, I know he worked hard for it, and he did a couple of races here in the UK before he, yeah. you know, just trying to get ready for it. But um, he was solid, and uh, he's got one more year at MX2, and he wants to get that title. And mm-hmm. the only way he's going to get that title is if there's if, if a his bike's a little bit better, and yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for him that that fuel thing helps him, and he'll be good for, you know, and over here, now, in the MX1, it's all these guys coming up from MX2, you know, right. Poulan, Fossard, uh, and then, you know, Tommy, when he comes up, um, those sorts of riders, uh, they're the next, it's really Tony and DeSalle, but after that, it's those new MX2 generations, Bob Rechef, those guys are going to be the ones that eventually knock Tony off, and you guys like Philippa Hart, Nagel, um, the Daika. Those guys are getting pushed. Barrigan, they're, they're getting pushed out.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. Bulbershev, uh a big surprise this year, huh? He was fast at the yeah, Nations uh, too. Listen,
1: no. He rode some good races last year on the Cass Honda, but uh, I expected him to be good. But uh, the problem those guys have got. Is a little bit, they're a little bit inconsistent, and they're quite wild, um, mm-hmm. the MX2 guys, and they struggle a little bit with fitness over the whole year. Right. And one thing I will point out is you really noticed, third moto, how physically good the American riders are. Right,
0: right.
1: Um all the European guys, apart from Searle and Rattray, or Rattray, you know, you can class them as an American yeah, woman, I'd say when he's, it comes to the training. He's, an, of an,
2: he's an Alden Baker uh, uh, client.
1: Apart from Searle, all the guys were fading.
2: Yep, Paul in Hurlings, not as impressive, second moto.
1: No, not even close. And uh, admittedly, they're moving up from MX2, so they've got a lot of work to do if they want to be title contenders physically and and to last the whole season.
2: Um, Good to see Reedy win a moto. He's always had a, he's been a little bit like uh, you guys, uh, cursed a little bit at this nation's.
1: Yeah, he has. He has, and um, Australia. Oh. I always give them a hard time because that's their first podium ever, and I know. New Zealand's been on four or five times. So yeah. uh, I always give them a hard time. But uh, Australia is a good, um, a good example. Uh, you know, they really put a lot of effort into the nations every year, and they the federation full mm-hmm. credit to them, spend a lot of lot of money, and always send the best team they've got, and um, they're good for the sport. And it's good to see Reedy win. Yeah. And, uh Especially after the last after he had his crash. He, he sort of struggled to show his full
2: potential. Yeah, he did. Uh, and and um, uh, were you surprised at me at how much Blake Baggett struggled? I mean, he really struggled.
1: Yeah, he was disappointing. Like, uh, Saturday was very good, but as soon as that track got tricky after the rain, mm-hmm. he really struggled. And... Um, I think that's when the experience of Dungey and, and Villapodo showed. You know, Villapoto showed a lot of patience in the first race. Mm-hmm. He didn't get the start, and he just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And the third motor, when it was drier, they really showed the, you know, how good they are. But Baggett, um, I expected more, yeah. definitely.
2: Yeah, I, I did, too. You know,
1: when, when you consider what Broxon did, you know... Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's a huge difference. No. It, it was a
2: huge difference on the day, and I didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Roxen beating him, okay, I'll give you that. I can see that. But, yeah. but Baggett being so far off, you know. Um, and Antonio... But,
1: but like you've, we've already talked about, but there's, a few, there's a few aspects to that. Uh, One being the track was very, very tricky. Uh, and if you didn't get the start, it was very hard to pass. What you've already mentioned, the track was yeah. hard to pass. And when you combine the classes on an MX2 bike on a, on a track with hills like that, it does make it even trickier. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from rocks, He was unbelievably good. But he got the best gate. He got the inside gate, both motors. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think Baggett would have. You know, I don't know. But, uh, no, Baggett had the know, inside not, gate. Normally you split the gate up between the riders, and uh, because Roxham was so much better than the rest of the German team, he got the good gate both motos and got good starts both motos and got out and was able to, you know, run up front early on.
2: No, Baggett got the good gate both motos too. Really? Yeah, he did. And and that's almost, I was going to say, that's almost maybe uh, not good strategy on the U.S.'s part. You know, um, Australia put Reedy on the good gate both motos, and Moss was on the outside, and um, I think the French put Musquin on the outside one time. Um, you know, so it's, it's always sort of better to
1: put your best foot forward,
2: right? You know, I think that's what it is, and,
1: right, and yeah. so that was probably a mistake from America. But nobody expected Bagot to be that yeah. bad.
2: Um, speaking of bad, Team New Zealand. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'd never heard of those dudes before, but they were all just in Europe, right? And that's why it sort of was easier yeah. for the federation to, to pick those yeah. guys.
1: But basically, I was injured. Um, Townley was injured, and we uh, only really left us with Cody Cooper and and, and some. Uh, our second best team had to get sent from from uh, from New Zealand, right. and it was going to cost a lot of money. And we we still weren't in a position to do well with that team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the, the three riders that went, I think the oldest one was 17, and uh, wow. the they think they were. 16 and 17 and they were just racing British Championship here in the UK so the Federation sent them because it was cheap and uh, they still wanted to have a showing they still wanted to have someone there but uh, they didn't want to spend big money to send uh, a team that was going to struggle anyway so that's sort of what they that's the way they win, and hopefully next year we can have a have a stronger team. Welcome. and also the problem we've got is, you know, I'm I'm nearly done, and, and Townley, we don't know what's going on with him. That's another another thing. We're going to have to call on some young guys soon. We've still got no good under twenty three guy, uh-huh. so we just they, the federation decided to send these young guys, try and give them some experience, because soon we're going to have to call on these guys, and right. you know none of them are sticking their head up yeah. right now and sort of showing good potential. So. I tried to give them a bit of a chance and at least give them give them a shot.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I wonder, Coops was already there. Uh, was it just was did his deal to, to race the GPs come together too late to put him on the team?
1: Yeah, the team was selected, and two days later, Coops was uh, Coops was selected for uh, to, well asked by factory Suzuki to replace the sale. Right. But Koops did the last two GPs and was terrible. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, very good. Uh, you, yeah. you know how good Koops is. You've seen him, and yeah. I know how good he is. But he—I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what went wrong. But it, he really struggled. He was more more outside the top twenty than inside. You know, and uh, with the injuries and the GPs than mm-hmm. the way it was, you know, I, I, I half by expected him to pop top five. Right.
2: Right. Um,
1: so. Yeah. Anyway, the other team was already picked, and then Coops uh, wasn't in good form, so that's why the, beat, the, the team with him and the other rider from New Zealand, that, you know, which was the next best team, still would have struggled, so they yep. decided to run these young guys.
2: They so you just did that. And uh, did you go and try to give the boys a pep talk?
1: Uh, not really. You know, I, didn't, <laughs> I just sort of told them to have fun. and yeah. I knew they weren't going to qualify. They knew it. Um, yep. They just did the best they could, and that's all they can do. So I just said, you know, you've got full support. I know it's going to be hard. Just enjoy yourselves.
2: Let me ask you this, what are three guys, three kids from New Zealand doing racing the British championships? like what's and if they're not that good, uh, no offense to them. I'm sure they're fast, but you know not on a world level what uh yep. what are they doing there?
1: Um, well, there's a businessman from New Zealand that uh, worked that's got a business in London and he wanted to start kind of like a scholarship thing for young New Zealand riders and get them to come over and race British championship and uh, we've got a thing here called the Red Bull Series and Red Bull Pro Nationals and then there's a uh, British four-stroke championship. So they can pretty much race every weekend. and uh, So it's kind of like a scholarship, and there's three oh, young okay. guys from New Zealand over here doing that and just trying to bring them on and give them experience mm-hmm. in racing puffer tracks and on the international stage. And, and they're just youngsters, and that's
2: what they do. Um, well, good for them then, I guess, and good for that businessman for doing that. That's cool. I wish there was a rich Canadian businessman down here in america
0: <laughs> yeah it's good it is good
1: and it um you know just gives them opportunity to race on the start lines with 20 or 30 good riders rather than five or ten and and also tougher tracks technical tracks tracks like you saw at the nations mm-hmm. that are just you know so different than what we race in new Zealand.
2: uh what about bt you brought him up there i saw he was in uh, california he was at paula um yeah yeah what uh, what's going on with bt
1: um, honestly, I speak to him a lot. I don't speak to him a lot about motocross. Mm-hmm. We just we're mates. You know, we talk about everything else. But um, I know he's riding a lot. I know he's riding well at the moment. I know he's fit and I know he's healthy and I know he's the best he's been for a good few years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I know he is going to do some races in New Zealand over our summer, which mm-hmm. is your winter. And uh, he's looking to get a deal next year. I know he's trying in America for outdoors, which right. is very hard at the moment, and he's well aware of that. And uh, if he can't do that, it's looking like he'll be racing with me
2: in Australia. Right, right. Oh, Coppins Townley back on the line yeah. together. Um, uh, it's battling like 06. Yeah. out. Right. Um, so, hey, fast forward to the GPs next year. Karoli, DeSalle, uh um, but uh, for yeah, yeah. What, what are you thinking? What can can Caroli hang on to this thing again?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um <laughs> if you look at the times and and that this year a lot of the races he he wasn't the fastest. He never often he didn't have the fastest lap time. So it is getting harder for him, but he's able to control it because he's he's the fittest by quite a bit. Right. And uh, he, is, you know, he's a smart kid, and he works hard. Uh, he's got good team and good support around him, and uh, I think he, you know, barring you know if everything runs runs well, I think he can put sixteen or fifteen rounds, whatever it will be, together, and those other guys can't yet. Physically, mentally, they can't yet. So I think, even though they may be starting to get faster than Tony, right. um, I, I think he can still put it together for a season. Um, but. It's starting to show that those guys are quick, getting quick. You know? Right. It's it's you know he used to be pretty much the, the fastest every you know he used to have the fastest lap pretty much every every weekend but uh, yeah. not now. It's normally uh, Fossard or or Paul Sal or, or Paulan or you know someone
2: like that. Yeah. Do you see Paulan uh, in the mix?
1: Definitely sometimes, but not not for a championship contender just right. because. Uh, he, physically, it's going to be hard for him, and also he's got a lot to learn on the, on the 450. And he'll be like Fossad was, you know, definitely win some mm-hmm. races, but uh, it's hard sometimes to make that full step uh, in one season.
2: And now, is he racing for uh, Purcell's dad on a Cowie?
0: No,
1: Purcell's oh. dad's out of that team. Oh, okay. Um, that's solely run by, uh, yeah, he's not the team manager anymore. Okay. He's a new, new team manager, and that team's going under a lot of changes because. They're getting pressure from uh, the CLS team because right. the CLS team's really starting to take shape mm-hmm. and the factory team is uh, trying to keep ahead. Okay. Um, so they're, they're under some big changes and that's going to uh, pull arms and that team with uh, Xavier Bogg, so the two MX1 one guys. And what's going to happen with CLS is they've got their existing team, which is uh, Searle and they have signed Joel Rowland. Rollins, right, yep. And it looks like they're going to have a third rider as well, but it's not sure. Mm-hmm. And they're also going to have an MX1 team, and that's going to looks like it's going to be the two Porcel
2: brothers. Well, okay, so yeah, and that's a French-owned team. Guy who owns that, I know Harry Nolte is the Dutch motor builder yep. team manager slash guy, but the owner yes. is French. Yeah, right.
1: Yes, correct. And also the owner of the factory team is French, also. Okay, all right. So yeah, all from the south of France.
2: No doubt, there's probably some competition there to get the factory contract for Cowie, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. And then uh, there's, a, there's lots going on with Monster, with, uh, you know, all F- 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 trying to sort of do it. But Kawasaki, you know, everyone else is, everyone seems to be pulling back at the moment. Like mm-hmm. Suzuki and Yamaha and Kawasaki are really pressing on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of, I don't know how they're doing it, but they are. And then, of course, Honda's pushing on. They, the, the rumor is they're coming with a complete new factory bike for next year.
2: I asked Roger, uh... Harvey, Roger Harvey. Yes. Roger, about yeah. about that at Lomo, and he he said no, they're gonna ride their old bike because I heard from some U.S. guys all new CRF 450 in 2013. Um, and I and I asked Roger about that, and he said no, we're riding the same bike. So I don't know, maybe he just wow. didn't want to tell me that because I'm media guy. But
1: yeah, I'd say so. Uh, guys at Martin Honda told me that they're coming with a complete new bike
2: next year. Oh, ah, okay, all right. So he's just playing dumb to the media yeah. guy. I got it. Yeah, yeah, he would have. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah, why not, right? He's a, he's a good guy, real good guy. Very um, yeah, sound. Uh, what about this kid that KTM hired for MX2? I don't know anything about him.
1: Um, which one, took here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly. Um, European that's Championships, the, right? Sort of left field. I think their focus, or, or of course their focus, is going to be on hurlings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but for the first time in quite a few years, their depth of uh, their sort of their follow-up riders, let's say, or their second and third rider, let's say, Mm -hmm. is not very good, I think. Right. So normally they've always, like for example this year with Roxon and and Hurling's, you know, super strong. But next year with uh, Van Holbeck, he's he's a good rider but, um, you know, you'd put Searle in front of him definitely and and maybe even one or two others. So uh, and then Texier, I haven't seen sort of let's say what they've seen. Mm-hmm. I right. haven't I haven't right. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. He was European champion, but uh, or, or sorry, one two five world champion last year. But that was you know fairly weak. There's this huge dip from that yeah. to, to MX2. So I I haven't seen what they've seen. Let's put it that
2: way. Were you surprised or? Um disappointed or was it sort of business as usual to you to see Purcell win some motos and then completely pull out of some motos with some weirdo weirdo stuff going on
1: oh that's Purcell you know <laughs> okay like, all right that's just that's just the way he is the same uh yeah. you know same as you know him, but uh it seems like I don't know it seems like he wasn't able to get away with that stuff with Mitch but uh yeah or, you know, even though he was still a little bit special, you know, he, he sort of dug deep. But um, uh, this year, like, Torchenthal, Tor, I mean, p- the press release said he pulled out of a second moto because he forgot to wear his chest protector.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, come on. <laughs> you know, the guy's a professional. Yeah.
0: Right? How yeah. can they
1: even write that stuff?
0: Yeah, I don't they know.
1: Just, they had to come up with a better excuse than that. So,
0: oh.
1: um. I know that they, that they strongly believe he's going to win the title, but I honestly can't see it because yeah. with that attitude, with that, um, like he's, no doubt he's got the talent. No doubt he's fast enough. But, you've, you know, you've got, yeah. you can't come with that sort of attitude. And it was win or DNF so much this year. You never saw him crash and get back on and finish. There was always yeah. an excuse.
2: Uh, and what about uh, uh, the, the the debacle that was Moto Concepts, David Villeman, and Purcell? You should have been here for that, Lizard. <laughs> well, I didn't really hear
1: too much about that. Uh, that I mean, that was – I, I think we all knew that was
2: never going to work. I know, right? I mean, even well, you, sitting in Australia. I knew
1: that, and I don't know so much about what's going on over there. But yeah.
2: Anyway. Uh, hey, 20, before I let you go, uh, 2012 uh, Diz Nations in Lomol. Um, yeah. Going to be a tough one going to be a
1: tough one. Very tough. And, and the track's great to ride. Spectators, terrible. I know. Terrible, yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. But I, honestly, I think if, you know, you they've given Lombo the contract, they must be going to build it all up around the outside for the spectators or, you know, they're not going to just sign it over. And I just spoke about St. John, how, you know, how the track was stuffed, but the facilities for this crowd was pretty good. Mm-hmm. uh I, I just spoke about that and I, I can't see how Ustream are going to sign it over uh, to Lomo without them putting in a lot of work.
2: I agree it wasn't but, very good I, yeah, I even have uh, this year I had the second level access and it still sucked the pit lane. yeah yeah
1: terrible terrible uh, man terrible, but to ride it's it's really good. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting race. Um, yep. Hopefully the European teams um, don't have the injuries like they did this year, like Belgium um, right. and also Italy. Tony's super good there. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be awesome to see the there Americans too. there because I've never been to Southwick, but I'm, I'm good buddies with DeRuva and I know Smets and, I, and yeah. I know obviously Ben and Swanee and Tyler and stuff, and they all talk about how it's just different than Lombo and different than Leop mm-hmm. And... Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm hoping I'm going to ride. It. I want to come and uh, come and uh, see how see how it pans out.
2: Yeah, that'd be good. I'm I'm looking forward to it too. The U.S. is going to have their hands full. Uh, um, they're probably the favorites. No still. doubt. Their no doubt. Hands.
1: If they had their hands full in France, they're definitely going to have their hands full in, in, in Lommel. And yeah. uh, they, I'm not saying that because they don't
2: have the ability. We know that the two Rhines are the fastest, but it's just different. Yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, well, right on, man. Josh Coppins, always uh, always good to catch up with you. I think this is our fourth. Fourth podcast we've done, and uh, you've paid for yep. two calls, and I've paid for two calls, so I think the next one's on me. Um, yeah, no worries. But uh, no worries. thank you. Thank you for doing the racerxbtosports.com podcast, and uh, hopefully, don't be a stranger. I'm sure we'll talk, to, we'll talk on Twitter. And uh, Yeah, definitely. Good luck with everything, man.
1: Thanks very much. My pleasure to come on and, uh, yeah, have a good winter, bro. All right. See you. Thanks, bye. bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show search pulp mx in the itunes store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the pulp mx app for your iphone for the complete pulp mx fix